horse without a rider. That was one of the sights in the 134th Rose Parade in Pasadena. The rider was missing. Isaiah Cordero was shot and killed in a traffic stop last week. The Riverside County deputy was only 32. Many of Isaiah Cordero's fellow Riverside deputies considered him to be their little brother. He was killed during a stop when the driver pulled a gun on the young officer. That set off a massive car chase that ended with the suspect's own death. It's hard to deny there's lawlessness everywhere in our day. One of our Haven employees recently saw some teen boys run out of a Macy's with stolen jackets. And this is not an isolated incident. Retailers say that 2 to 3% of their revenue is now lost by shoplifting. But Christians should not despair. We have the Lord's own words in Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, and on this new year, we're in a series this first week called A New Year with Spurgeon. It's hard to read about a young sheriff's deputy being murdered during a routine traffic stop, or to see brazen acts of shoplifting like the recent viral video showed an Apple store where thieves robbed it in broad daylight with no one to stop them. It does feel like we're entering into a lawless time. But Psalm 46 gives us hope. The Lord is our refuge, and he promises by the end of the psalm that he will be exalted in all the earth. Charles Haddon Spurgeon believed this truth. And it's what gave him the strength to move from a small town in England to the big city of London to minister as a pastor. London in the 19th century was not a safe place to be. But Spurgeon had a great desire to exalt the name of Jesus to as many people as he could. And now, over 130 years since he went home to be with the Lord, many still hear this prince of preachers proclaim the gospel. Why is that? Well, today I want to take a little time to explore the answer to that question. We'll see how a team of prayer warriors helped Spurgeon preach about Jesus to millions all around the world, even in the 1800s. And we'll also take some time to read from Spurgeon's morning and evening devotional. He himself, though he loved humankind and did no wrong, was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrow and familiar with suffering. That's a brief excerpt from the March 17th evening reading from Spurgeon's much-beloved morning and evening devotional. Later, we'll hear the entire reading by British actor Ted Staunton. And then after the program, I want to send you this gently adapted into modern English devotional for your gift to Haven today. One page for the morning, another page for the evening, And every short devotional is based on God's word, which will encourage and challenge you to know Christ better in 2023. And this special edition comes with a soft, leather-like cover with gold stamp binding and easy-to-read typesetting. You can call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit us on our website and make your gift there at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And if you're still looking for the perfect 2023 wall calendar, ask about our All Living Things calendar that we still have for your gift. Brilliant pictures of animals, great and small, all creatures, and every month there is scripture to remind you 
of our glorious Creator. And now let's open this haven today with a song by the Booth Brothers. I just want to speak the name of Jesus Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus
song called I Speak Jesus, the Booth Brothers opening this haven today, and a program called A New Year with Spurgeon. I can still remember the first time I stepped into the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. It's been a famous church in the city for centuries. I visited Westminster Chapel, where Martin Lloyd-Jones pastored for decades. I even worshipped late last year at another large London church where John Stott preached for many years. All Souls is its name. But there I was in the building that the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, had built. Of course, we would quickly say that it was the Lord that built that church, but he used a gifted man who was called to preach from a very young age. Spurgeon has a long legacy because of his preaching. Volumes and volumes of his sermons have been published. Unfortunately, he died before voice recording was invented, so we'll have to wait until the new creation to hear him preach. He was converted at a young age, stumbling into a church just in time to hear the preacher call out, Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. And that was from the prophet Isaiah. That's all it took for the 15-year-old Spurgeon to give his life to Christ and it wasn't too long after that that he started to teach and preach. He was asked to teach the adult Sunday school on Sundays before the service, and his sessions became so popular that the pastor asked him to address the entire congregation. He was being called by the Lord into ministry, and the Lord was already blessing him. In a letter to his parents, he said once that all he wanted to do was be like his father. His father was a preacher. So was his grandfather. And Spurgeon wanted to be a preacher as well, and it seemed very clear that the Lord was leading him there. Eventually, Spurgeon was asked to take up the pastorate of a small country church. It quickly grew from a few to over 400. Not long after that, at the age of 19, he was called by New Park Street Chapel to be their pastor in London. And once again, that church grew rapidly. Not only were his congregants blessed, but the city of London was blessed as well. I asked Jeremy Walker, who pastors a church just south of London, to share a bit of Spurgeon's heart for his city and how his church moved to serve the city. And here's what he had to tell me. Spurgeon had a massive impact on uh, London in his day and actually much further afield, both within the United Kingdom as a whole and then uh, internationally. And I think when you, you see the reaction to his death, you see the way that people responded to him in life, you get an understanding of, of just what an impact he was having. Now, obviously, he was a, a grand personality and was well known in that regard, but he had an impact personally in the lives of various men and women, and many of the institutions which he helped to establish really rolled on in some measure after his death. But there was the issue that he said that uh, he was willing to be eaten by dogs for the next so many years, but that the more distant future would vindicate him. And there was a measure of that, that so much of what was 
what was at the heart of his ministry by the time he died was being in some ways dismissed or downgraded. But that was the very heart of his ministry. And it's that that's really stood the course of time, uh, the test of time. And and it's the 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 Christ centered gospel rich realities, the, the spiritual truths which Spurgeon lived and breathed and preached. Those are the things that drove those institutions in the first place. They were the outworkings of his convictions about Christ, about God in Christ, about the salvation that God has provided in the Lord Jesus and the consequences of that in the lives of believers. And that's really been his enduring legacy because when everything else has has, has folded or, or drifted or changed, uh, it's that that people still come back to Spurgeon to enjoy. You're listening to Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris, Pastor Jeremy Walker from England, talking about his fellow Baptist pastor from a century and a half ago, Charles Spurgeon. The people in Spurgeon's church lived the faith they heard about on Sundays. Spurgeon's name and clear preaching gift drew them in. But by the power of the Spirit, through his sermons, they were motivated to act. And that should be our hope and prayer every time we hear God's word preached. Lord, change me. Help me move outside of myself and love my neighbor. Christmas time can make us forget that the world doesn't revolve around us and our family. Materialism and consumerism have tried hard to convince us that life is about us and about our stuff. But for Spurgeon, though, it was so important that his people not forget those around them, especially those who were less fortunate. Here's an entry in Spurgeon's morning and evening devotional, taken from one of his sermons and read for us by Ted Staunton. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9. This is the seventh of the Beatitudes, and seven was the number of perfection among the Hebrews. It may be that the Savior placed the peacemaker seventh upon the list, because he most nearly approaches the perfect human being in Christ Jesus. He who would have perfect blessedness, so far as it can be enjoyed on earth, must attain to the seventh benediction and become a peacemaker. There is a significance also in the position of the text. The verse which precedes it speaks of the blessedness of the pure in heart, for they will see God. It is well to understand that we are to be first pure, then peaceable. Our peaceableness is never to be a compact with sin or toleration of evil. We must set our faces like flints against everything which is contrary to God and His holiness. Purity being a settled matter in our souls we can go on to peaceableness. Not less does the verse that follows seem to have been put there on purpose. However peaceable we may be in this world, yet we shall be misrepresented and misunderstood. And no wonder, for even the Prince of Peace, by his very peacefulness, brought fire upon the earth. He himself, Though he loved humankind and did no wrong, was despised 
and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Lest, therefore, the peaceable in heart should be surprised when they meet with enemies, it is added in the following verse, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Thus, the peacemakers are not only pronounced to be blessed, but they are surrounded with blessings. Lord, give us grace to climb to this seventh beatitude. Purify our minds, that we may be first pure, then peaceable. And fortify our souls, that our peaceableness may not lead us into cowardice and despair, when for your sake we are persecuted. A reading from March 17, Morning and Evening, written by Charles Spurgeon, and read for us by British actor and a Christian brother, Ted Staunton, who now lives in Vancouver. To help others with a willing hand and a loving heart, that's what Spurgeon's aim was for his people. When he preached, he didn't want it to be an intellectual exercise. He wanted to see lives changed. And here's something many people don't know about Spurgeon's famous preaching on Sundays. He didn't do it alone. That seems like an obvious thing to say, but of course he didn't. He had books and commentaries and colleagues to help him as he crafted his sermons week by week. But that's not what I mean. If you ever visit the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, like I have, where Spurgeon preached, you can ask to see the boiler room. That's what he called it. And if you know about old steamships, or you've seen the movie Titanic, then you know about the boiler room. It was where the workers would shovel hot coal to produce the power that would move those behemoth vessels. It takes hard work, and without the boiler room, the ship couldn't move. Spurgeon understood that, and he took that analogy and applied it in real time as he preached his sermons Sunday by Sunday. Forty or fifty people would gather every week, right under his pulpit, in the basement of the Metropolitan Tabernacle. Why did they do that? To shovel coal. They prayed, they prayed, they prayed, shoveling coal by faith that the Lord would answer their prayer and make that ship move. Spurgeon's preaching reached thousands every Sunday. The Metropolitan Tabernacle seated 5,000, and many more stood outside as well. Plus, his sermons were published in the newspaper the next week, with eventually millions more in England and all over the world reading them. But without that boiler room, who knows what would have happened. His ministry was grounded in prayer, and the ministry of his church was grounded on prayer. The ministry of Spurgeon and the church he led were marked from beginning to end by the Lord's call and the grace of Jesus Christ. They were devoted to their Lord, and they were determined to walk with him day by day. And as we are in this new year, that's my hope and prayer for you, to walk with Jesus day by day, to enter your own boiler room every day, to shovel the coal of prayer and trust that the Lord will move you where you need to be. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bitterness. 
Crowns, Sweet Hour of Prayer, one of their hymns of faith. And I'm Charles Morris here on Haven Today. The ministry of Charles Spurgeon fascinates me as it has so many. From a young age, he was reading his preaching grandfather's theology books along with Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. And then he was called to preach as a teenager and was ministering to literally millions all over the world with both his pulpit and his pen before he went home to be with the Lord. But his voice has not been silenced even by death. Spurgeon's morning and evening devotional was written nearly 150 years ago. But you can still hear him point you to God's grace and love for his people when you read it today. Each meditation is based on a single verse of scripture, one for the morning and one for the evening. And I know each one will inspire and encourage you to rely on your God every day of this new year. And one other thing. The volume we have for you has a stamped gold binding with easy-to-read typesetting, and the language has been gently adapted using the words of Spurgeon for readers in the 21st century. And here, at the beginning of 2023, this is the perfect time to take up the challenge and focus more on God's Word in your life. Why don't you call us right now? And for your first gift of the year, 
a gift of any amount, we'll send you a copy of Morning and Evening. You just need to call us at 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or go online to our website and make your gift there at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And a quick reminder, if you'd like to have a God-centered calendar for 2023, we still have some copies. We'd love to send you ASAP for your gift to the ministry. Its theme is All Living Things, and it features amazing pictures of animals, both great and small, and even better, a monthly scripture that will remind you of God's daily presence in your life. It's on my refrigerator. How about having it on yours? Ask about it when you call or read more when you visit us at haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when on Thursday, we'll again be sharing together the great story in 2023. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. If there is a favorite word in the Bible, it has to be the simple word, look. Other translations may use an older term, behold. It's a call to consider, to let what you see change your life. Behold, Psalm 33 tells us, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. He sees us. Do we see him? That's the question we must answer. But how can we see an invisible God? It's like having a veil over our eyes. Paul's words in 2 Corinthians, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed, and we with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. It happens by faith now. One day, faith turns to sight. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit getanchor.com.